Hello. Today's conversation is with Chris Crane, who is a songwriter, musician, jazz artist, keyboardist, drummer, bass player, guitarist, based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we have a cool conversation about his latest album, Glow, as well as his general practice as a composer, band leader, musician, some of his history, moving and living around different parts of the country and working with musicians from all over the country. We also discuss his foundation, the Better Project Awareness Foundation, which is a program for kids in school to learn music, as well as also teaching them confidence and self-worth and helping them to see the possibilities for what they can do as they grow. But before we get to that, please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channel. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please consider visiting my Patreon page. Welcome to Music in Mind. Music in Mind with Anthony Coffey. Hello, everybody. This is Chris Crane. He is a musician, producer, songwriter, composer. And he works in areas like uh, soul, R&B, hip-hop, jazz, funk, gospel, kind of the, the melding of all these traditions, actually. And uh, yeah. he, has an, he has an album that came out this last year called Glow, which is awesome. And um, I've been looking back through your catalog, and you have a lot of really cool, uh, interesting, diverse stuff. Because you have, you have Glow, which came out, which is sort of... It feels like it's kind of in the the, the R and B gospel with a little hip hop tradition in there, and then you have another album from a few years ago, Simple Man Thoughts, which seems much more in the jazz realm. Which is very—I yeah. mean, they're both awesome, but in completely different ways. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Simple Man Thoughts. Um, so I have a um, I have a love for jazz music. Mm -hmm. So jazz is kind of where I cut my teeth. Um, you know, so I'm a, I'm a pianist. I play piano, um, of course, guitar, drums, bass. Um, okay, but cool. jazz piano um, it was a thing for me. And so I've played um, anywhere from smooth jazz to mm -hmm. a little R&B jazz, which yeah. is a form of smooth jazz still. Right. But um, traditional straight ahead jazz is, or swing jazz is what I really, really uh -huh. enjoy. Cool. Um, and so, if you you mentioned the Simple Man Thoughts album, yeah, and that album um, has some straight ahead on there. It's great. Yeah, it's so, awesome. And have some heavy players on there too, man. There's a um, the um, saxophonist uh -huh. that I featured on um, the, the actual title cut mm -hmm. um, title record for the album is um, his name is Derek Derek Williams. Okay, he's out of Nashville, and mm -hmm. um, he's a phenomenal horn player, all genres. Uh -huh. um, cool. On bass, um, this guy named Anthony Crawford. Mm -hmm. He's from Memphis, but he lives in L.A. Um, he's he's toured and played with everybody. He's um, he just did a thing with this band called Witherfall. Okay. Um, and I'm not really familiar with them. Um, it's a rock band. Oh, sweet. Okay. Some some heavy heavy stuff. And on drums, I'm using this guy named Louis Palmer. Okay. And he's another beast from California, man. So it's okay. Yeah. So that album is amazing, man. And it's musicians from all over. It seems like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah so it's I pretty have, cool. The wide network. Yeah, yeah. It it allows um, for um, different um, different um, temperatures. Uh huh. Okay. Um, for the, for the for the record. 
Yeah. You know, um, the West Coast has a totally different field um, from the East Coast and the Midwest and the For South. Sure. Yep. And so once you put those in there together, uh-huh. you get a whole lot of different flavors that allows you to... Um, you know, kind of season the, the the song, for lack of a better analogy. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. And you, you've also had experience living and uh, in different parts of the country, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. From yeah, your so. bio, it looked like you went from the Midwest to the South and then maybe back up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born okay. in Chicago. Um, then we, my family moved to Mississippi okay. when I was four. And uh-huh. I left Mississippi when I was 17. Ah, okay. And, and went so you to really Indiana. grew up in the South. I grew up in the South, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of traditions, a lot of, um, a lot of flavoring, a lot of soul that come from, from the South, man. Yeah. That's cool. Sure. And then and you went back to, you said Indiana? Yeah, I went to Indiana. Okay. I lived there for five years. And I got a chance to do a little um, exploring into Nashville, mm, um, mm-hmm. Louisville, Kentucky, mm, yeah. um, Indianapolis, Indi- um, Indiana, and St. Louis. Yeah. And there's some crazy players, musicianship, um, writers um, in all of those regions, in all of those cities. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing, none of them sound alike. They all have their own sound. That's awesome. So Kentucky has their own sound. Nashville has its own thing. There's some killers in um, Kentucky, man. Oh, really? Oh, my God. I mean, there's some, some crazy players down there. Um, out, out of Louisville? Louisville. Louisville, yeah. Kentucky, man. There's a guy named Titus Robinson. Um, um, I mean, there's some every uh, Christian. There's some crazy guys down there, man. Some real musicianship. That's awesome. There. I, then, of I course, love those Louis. cities, too. Yeah. Those like kind of like medium sized cities all throughout the the Midwest and the center of the country that I feel like a lot of people don't think about, but there's really just some like awesome gems. Like, oh yeah, St. Louis Definitely. is cool. Indianapolis is cool. I mean, even yep. Cleveland is like it's a really interesting place. Yeah, some killers in Ohio. Period, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're looking for some real music, um, people who know their craft can play any genre. Uh-huh. On a professional um, top shelf level, I mean, all of those cities that you named, man, definitely. Yeah. But you know, we we often think of cities like New York and right and L.A. and you know, you in Boston. When you think of you know Nashville, you know, music cities, right? You of think course. great players, but like you said, there's some real gems in those other other yep. cities, man. And if you ever get a chance to go to Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky, man. Yeah, I promise you, you'll be you'll be amazed <laughs> at some of the musicianship that comes through there. Yeah, I I haven't I haven't explored it. I've I've driven across the bridge. I've seen it, but I haven't I haven't yeah. uh, I haven't explored the city. And then yeah, you're in you're in Milwaukee now, right? I'm in Milwaukee. Yep. Cool. I grew up in Madison, so. Oh wow! So you right up the street from me. Yep, and and my yeah. sister lives in Milwaukee now, so I I, oh, okay. I know it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, how do you been, feel about it as as a music city? You know, I think Milwaukee. Um, you know, it's it's a, a little weird. Um, here's why: <laughs> you have what the second largest music festival in the world, right? And um, it doesn't really cater towards um, local artists, right? Um, it brings in some of the best acts, you know, major acts, but never um, 
brings in local artists um, or mm-hmm. use them for the platform. Also, right. Milwaukee is a big cover band um, mm. city. And so most of the good, and don't get me wrong, the guys, are, the musicians, um, they're great. They're right. good. But there's not a really, really big market for original content. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, I've been one of the few. Um, I honestly don't know any other real artists here in the city who only perform their own music on gigs. Sure. Yeah. And for me, that that's, that's what I do. Right. Um, people, but that's awesome people, that you've been able to people cultivate book that. Me. Yeah. I stopped doing, I used to be a cover band called Chris Crane and Company. Mm-hmm. And we did all top 40 stuff and we got sure. a lot of work. Right. And um, then I decided I wanted to do, share my own thoughts. You right. know, everybody knows who Earth, Wind, and Fire is, and everybody knows Motown. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we we do our own albums and create our own music. People mm-hmm. need to know our music, and I I remember my first big gig where I did my own music, and everybody seemed they sat there for a while, mm-hmm. and they just sat there. They didn't applaud. They didn't clap. Nothing. They just sat there. Um, and at first it was a little spooky because right. I was like, oh my God, I'm about to lose a crowd, right? Um, but then I realized you're listening. Uh-huh. That's great. And once I, because nobody was walking, nobody got up and left, um, nobody yeah. was moving around, they sat and listened. And cool. then that gave me the courage to, huh, people like my music. Then after the, after the show, cool. I sold a ton of CDs, uh-huh. um, you know, and then from that on, and that was like 2009. Okay. Was that also and in Milwaukee? Was it a Milwaukee That was in crowd? Milwaukee. Okay, right interesting. In Milwaukee, cool. yeah. And so from that point, man, it was, I'm doing my own music. That's great. And I've seen some success with it. Yeah, I mean, it seems yeah. like it. So yeah, so your, 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 your last album, Glow, is that, is that a pandemic work or is that uh, something that's gone back for, is it a, something that started oh, it's, beforehand? It's, yeah, it's before, it started long before the okay. pandemic. Um, I worked on that album for about three years. Uh-huh. Um, so um, some of the songs date way back, but oh, okay. you know, I took my time with that album, and you know I didn't create it for. Um, I'm not going to say. Well, I'll say it like this. I didn't create it for public consumption. Mm-hmm. I created it for me. Uh-huh. Um, and and to, and because I think because of that approach, I can listen to those songs over and over. And over, and I enjoy them. That's um, that's so important. I uh, it is. It I was is, in a, a composition masterclass once with uh, David Cope, who's like an experimental electronic composer from Santa Cruz. I don't know if you know him, but um, he he asked all of us. He said, "Before I listen to any of your music, how many people in here listen to your own music?" And of course, nobody raised their hands. You know, because we're all trying to be humble and polite. And he said, "Well, if right. you don't want to listen to your own music, why would I listen to it?" Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yep. It makes a lot of sense, man. You know, so yep. in creating this, I didn't put a deadline to it. Right. Um, I I recorded a song and put it on the shelf for three months. Go uh-huh. back to it, and if I hated it, started it from scratch. Uh huh. Um, there are a couple songs where I changed musicians on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one song I get around, um, and I think that'll be the song that I perform today. Um, okay, um, but I tried like four different drummers on this song. Uh-huh. Wow! And and they were all amazing drummers. I mm-hmm. mean, great drummers. But there was a thing that I wanted from this from that record. I wanted the drums to be felt 
and not heard, if that makes sense. So the snare, almost ghost notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Instead of pop. Right. Pop. Yep. You know? Yep. And so I wanted that, and nobody was really giving me that. So I, Interesting. I'm i a drummer as well. So uh-huh. I said, fine, I'll do it myself. Oh, and I, <laughs> wow. Mic'd up the drums, and because cool. um, I do all my own engineering, all of my own writing okay. and recording, mixing and editing. Wow. Um, and I did it myself, and it turned out yeah. just the way it needed to. Very cool. Yeah. Do you? So, so how many instruments on the on the album are you playing? Um, pretty much all of them except wow. the horns. Mm-hmm. So on the song, um, I get around, I'm playing um, the acoustic. Um, I wrote it from the acoustic. I'm Mm -hmm. playing drums and um, bass. Okay, And, of course, I'm singing. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I featured a a blues um, singer, a blues guitarist. His name is Vasti Jackson. Mm -hmm. Um, He did some things with um, Johnny Taylor, um, Bobby Rush, Uh some B.B. King back in the day. He still... Very valid today, touring, and I looked on Facebook the other day. He's over in Africa doing something oh, right now. Wow, so he's, cool. you know, older guy. Um, I he taught me some things as a kid. I played my first major gig with him. Okay, wow. Yeah, um, keyboards. What, what was that? Um, it was um, the halftime show at Southern Miss in Mississippi, okay. mm-hmm. and we did it along with the band. It's the biggest gig I ever did. I was what sixteen, seventeen. <laughs> That's great. And and it was a crazy experience. I remember um, when they was carting us from um, our holding area to this stadium. I mean, it was like 60,000, 70,000 people at the game. And you can just hear the crowd. And I, <laughs> I was scared to death. I was so scared, man. I what mean, does that feel like? I, I, it, yeah, it, I, don't think I was nervous, man. I was so yeah. nervous. And it was a simple gig. When I think back now, it was just a simple gig. All yeah. I had to play was a couple chords on each song. You know, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> like I had a lot to do. You know, and you know, but you know, it's that that experience of you know open field. You know, surrounded by screaming fans. You know, now they wasn't all there to see me, but you know, it was a good it was a good time, man. Yeah, I mean, that must be a yeah. crazy feeling. Yeah, yeah. The cool thing. Um, to be able to um, have that experience at such a young age yeah, with, sure. with Vastai, uh-huh. um, and then many years later, be able to employ him and have him feature on a song right. of mine, you know that that was you know that's big to me. You, you know it came full circle. Yeah, I mean the the community aspect of playing, I feel like yeah, yeah. is is extremely important, which is why it's also interesting. I was going to ask you about that with your with your own. Tracking so many of the instruments yourself, uh, how, how do you feel about the kind of like the solo artist songwriter relationship to sort of a band relationship, and then sort of bringing bringing in people to play on your tracks versus working on an album with a band? Have you have you had that experience too? The other side, of I it? have, I have. It's just a collaboration. It's right. a it works when you have people who are not married to their own ideas. Yeah. Um, when right. you have a team of people who um, com- who care more about the finished product than their own credits, yeah. Um, one of my um, the way I write music, um, I studied um, 
2004, I um, took a, um, a Bible course um, mm. out in Chattanooga called Precept. And essentially what Precept is, that concept says you allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. So okay. that allows you to take your own personal perspective out of it. Okay. So if... Um, uh, for example, if this this thing was dated um, in a certain time period, mm-hmm. and then if you look at the culture and the historical setting of that time period, right, those facts present you with the context of mm-hmm. why said I person see. said what they said. Sure, sure, sure. Or why yeah. they use this type of tool as opposed to this type of tool. Right. So you allow the the concepts to to be interpreted by the actual the context. context. Right. Yeah. Yes. For sure. And so it takes out what I think about it sure. and how it looks to me. And so what I did essentially was take that approach with writing music. Okay. And so the song after you create the, the foundation, right? Mm-hmm. If you listen to the song, it'll tell you what it needs. I see. Within its own context. Within its own context. That's interesting. Without me taking my um, experiences in music and uh-huh. you know things that have um, uh, influenced me and my soul and my jazz, and it allows the song to develop in its purest form. Interesting. Because the song really wrote itself, I just became the paintbrush that <laughs> right. the song used to draw, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what, so what do you think about some of the ideas like, I don't know if you know Cecil Taylor or some of the 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 kind of like 70s avant-garde jazz movement and the idea that sort of like music exists and you're there to access it. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, if yeah. you can get in the right mode, you can kind of tap into music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same concept. Right. Um, the music speaks. You have to have the, the right mindset, and you have your eyes have to be open enough for you right. to be able to see the writing, uh-huh. and then your ears have to be open enough so you can hear what it's telling you to write. Right. So um, um, this song, Scream, and I'm going to send you this record, um, the one that I um, just finished mixing today, the new uh-huh. song cool. that I'm going to release um, next month. Um I use um, this guy named Steve Brewster out of Nashville, drummer. Mm-hmm. He's recorded with Faith Hill. He's recorded with the band Chicago. Sweet. Crazy resume. Yeah. Um, there's another guy named Dave. Um, I forget his last name. Um, but um, a friend of mine, Roger Ryan, connected me with these guys. Cool. And so when we talked, they asked me what I needed on the song. And and my idea, uh, my my thoughts were... Listen to the song and let the song tell you what should be right. played. Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with, with creators and professionals, you don't have to tell them what to play because right. they can already see and they can hear. Right. And so to your point, um, your question about working with a group of people, mm-hmm. um, that's my approach. You right. know, I don't I don't hire or I don't particularly like working with people that I have to tell. So uh, Measure 26 played, you know, a C7 right. over an E-flat bass line. You know, yep. I, I don't want to do that. 
mm-hmm. but I, I like working with people who, and I give the freedom to, you know, for them to interpret the song, you know, and, and that way that song can, it, it reaches far. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it don't just touch people who think and move like me, but it also touches people mm-hmm. who move like them and who move like her and that, right. if yep. that makes sense. So that's my approach. It, um, so working yeah. with a band is fine, you know. <laughs> it's fine. It, yeah. it, 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 it's interesting because it's something I've struggled with in my own composition is finding that balance between sort of the the overly precise score where you tell everybody exactly what to do. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, it, it has its place, and a lot of music like that, I feel like, is very context-based. Like the 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 neo-complexity movement, or, or even like 12-tone music, Schoenberg and Webern and stuff, where they're creating a context for the piece, and the piece just exists within this tiny little context of the system yeah. that they've created. And so it sort of makes sense in and of itself, but it needs so much instruction. Like you could never yeah. expect anybody to just improvise that or something like that. Right, but on right, the right. other hand, there's there's so much that you can get out of working with with players who have really open minds and really expansive knowledge of different contexts and kinds of music that you might not even have to tell them anything. Right, 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 right. And so right. knowing whether to go sort of the the most explicit score possible or maybe just the loosest structure possible and allow them to show themselves in in the music. Yeah, now, now there are. Some, I will say this: I do have some pieces uh-huh. that I'm very specific with what I right. want. You know, so I think it all varies um, on the piece of music, of course, and what the what the composer is trying to achieve with a certain piece. Because there's mm-hmm. some again, there's some pieces that are just very personal, mm-hmm. and I need the base. I need the baseline to be specific. Right. No improv. No, because it creates a certain kind of feel that I need in order to deliver this record. Right. Like where you're talking, the drum part, where it was basically just ghost notes and it was more implied. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I needed that. And yep. the guys that, that attempted to record the record were great players. I mean, you would hear them playing the record and you'd be like, oh my God, these guys can play. <laughs> but for me, every time I heard that heavy snare, I, I cringed because... The bass line is very rhythmic. Uh-huh. And the drums, you know, it needs to kind of match. Right. You know, and so I'm hearing those things in my head and it feels a certain kind of way for me. Mm-hmm. That way, so when I now perform that song live, now it feels I have that thing inside of me. Now I can. Right. Connect with the audience, and I can, and I can, you know, um, send this message out yep. the way it's supposed to, as opposed to, you know, now the groove is different because yep. he, that's the way he heard it. So sometimes you have to be very specific yep. in what you're doing, you know. Um, well, it's such a nuance. I mean, even what you were just performing, it's so, I, I can, I can completely imagine the nuance that you're talking about, and it's that. It's just this lightly touching thing, but I can also completely hear a drummer just thwap right in the middle of that, yeah. just asserting this drum part, which is cool. But like, I see, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, but you know, music is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, I call it my time travel. Uh huh. 
this music can take you, you know, back 70 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or it, it could take you, you know, it could teleport you to Nigeria in a matter of moments, mm-hmm. um, depending on how um, in touch with your imagination you are. Right. You know, and I think all songwriters, composers, um, you have to maintain a healthy imagination mm-hmm. um, because it allows you to um, create these worlds that that other people can come inside of to right. escape their reality. Yep. You know, and so it, it can be a dangerous tool if you know how to use it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was talking yeah. with a, another composer friend of mine, and she was saying that she's been exploring this idea of music as a way to create potential worlds. And yeah. you're sort of you're inventing environments to exist in and explore and see see what's wrong and what's right with them and where you can go with them and all sorts of things. Yeah, it it, it man, it's, music is so such a vast um entity. Right. Um it's a body and you know there's so many different pieces of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one reason why I don't I never have an opinion about anybody else's art. Mm-hmm. Because it's 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 personal um, reflection, sure, you know, and and personal expression, mm-hmm. and so and everybody expresses differently, um, and so right. there's no right, wrong, good or bad way to express. Uh-huh. You know, it's a personal thing. So as artists, you know, you, you see it, and I try to make, I try to challenge myself to find the art, and. And the beauty in and somebody else's work, regardless uh-huh. of the genre style. <laughs> sure. There's a there's a piece there's a piece of beauty there. Uh-huh. You know, and it becomes your task to take the time to figure it out and to find yep. it. You know. Now industry is something different though. Cause industry says you can't we can't create those kind of um gems that are that are covered. With layers, right. we can't do that mm-hmm. because they can't sell that because right. the attention span is that small. Yeah, you know, and so that's why a lot of artists who have real gems uh-huh. and who have real, real music and real concepts they get overlooked because industry want that thing that catches you just like that real quick. Yeah, and if you put too many layers on it, yeah, you know. They just want junk food. They just want Doritos. Pretty much junk food. Just some Doritos. Yep. You know, and not even the good Doritos. The nacho, <laughs> just the bag. When I was growing up in Mississippi, there was a um, these these off-brand Doritos. They were just called nacho cheese. Oh, nice. And you know, you can tell they were they were not Doritos. You know, <laughs> it's like no, mom, I want Doritos, not these nacho cheese yeah. joints. You know, yeah. So that's what the industry wants. And you know, if yeah. you want to make good money, yeah. You have to learn how to live within that world or have a delayed kind of a gratification and right. stay the course and mm-hmm. it'll show up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because connecting back to what you were talking about sort of earlier in our conversation when you were saying that you just write what, you, uh, what you know, you, your composition is true to yourself and you doing that, the audience was kind of enraptured and they were listening. Um. And that, that's, that's a thought that I have a lot, is what, what role should the audience play in a composition? Yeah. Um, because there's this, there's this argument, you know, like when I was in music school, 
a lot of the composition professors were saying, basically, you shouldn't think about your audience at all, and you should only think about what you want to express. And I think there's truth in that. But at the same time, if I'm writing an article, I have to think about communicating to a degree. I should probably yeah. use words in English. I probably yeah. shouldn't just invent my own gibberish words. Right, right, But right, maybe. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, but you know what? I think what would happen is the people who are drawn to your gibberish, right? they would find it. Sure. Um, well, you have to put it out there to be found, but right. they would. But though it would have, it will attract the people that like what you do. Yeah. Um, and you know that, but that's the game, right? Yeah. You know, you have to find this somewhat of a, a fine line. Like, you know, I did, I, I studied in your Motown and some of their uh-huh. hits, and they were some of the songs that we love were only like two minutes and. Yep. 40 seconds, mm-hmm. you know, and and so when you look at the standard um, time for radio now, so what the sweet spot is like three minutes and some seconds, 30 Something. seconds, yeah. you yeah. know, and you learn how to, but that's because you're communicating um, in a very fast paced, short um, attention span type of thing. So anything, unless they're music connoisseurs, and they like instrumental music, jazz music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you have to communicate, right? You know, at a you know you only have a, a small window. Yep. You know to get that message out, and if if it takes too long to get your message across, <laughs> you lose. Sure. You know. Yeah. It's tough though because I feel like you don't want to be chasing your audience around. You don't want to be saying, "Hey guys, listen, listen, check out what I yeah. do now." Yeah, and you know, I was just talking with a, um, a client yesterday, um, uh-huh. and she um, worked for a radio station for a while. And you know, she's always she's really big on trying to find the audience. And I was telling her the same thing: yeah. you can find yourself chasing the audience, and then you'll lose what it is that you're trying to say. Yeah. Because now you just continue to restructure the song or the composition to try to reach a certain demographic. Yeah. And then people are very fickle, you know. Think trends, you know. So today is this. Tomorrow it, it could be something else. Yeah. And you know, depending on how fast you get what you got out, you may miss that small window chasing right. the people. So I mean, it's you know we find ourselves behind the eight ball. Yeah. You know, but you have to. You know, for me, what works is um, is that you know I it's back to me. You know, mm-hmm. and this is what the Glow album did. You know, right. Because I wrote that album for myself, right? And not to you know try to fit a station mm-hmm. or a certain demographic. You know, if you like it, you like it, right? You know, and if you don't, I love it. So <laughs> yeah, that you know. I mean that's great. That's what it should be. Yeah, definitely. But but you loving it, I think, will also make other people love it. It's like it's like a, a comedian. If they don't think what they're saying is funny, why would anybody else think it's funny? Yeah. Correct. They have to say what they think is funny and then yeah. convince everybody else it's funny too. But Yeah, yeah. I played a show um last month and um I, I asked a question at the beginning of the show, you know, I always do a little icebreaker and all of that stuff. I said, uh, how many of you guys have ever heard my music? One person, right? And so to me, um that's a great thing because now it's a huh. blank canvas. Cool, yeah, yeah. 
And now I can draw and I can throw all kind of colors at the wall and see what sticks. And mm -hmm. if it don't stick, I, I just say, well, that didn't work. But yep. by the time I got to um, the third song, because, of course, I'm doing maybe, you know, 60 to 70 percent of the Glow album, uh -huh. um, you know, along with some of the other records. And they loved it. Again, great. you know, now this this time people were dancing and, and you know, uh -huh. people were really into it. Nobody got up to go to the restroom or anything like that, <laughs> you know, because I do straight two hour shows. I don't take a cool. break. Um, it's a straight wow, two hour it's performance. It's intense. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like I like the, the idea of starting uh -huh. and then you you pull the audience. Yep. And then once you connect, you know, I've seen bands and I've played with um artists and bands who they they finally get the audience. Mm -hmm. We'll be back in 15 minutes. <laughs> it's like, what? Can't you see you got them? <laughs> yeah. But they're trying to preserve their song list. Right. You yeah, know, they're they're me, they're serving a different structure. They're not Yeah. They're not and for me, for me it's is I want you to communicate. I want you to love me. I want you to know me. Yep. By the time I'm done. That way when you see my name on the on the the poster, um, you oh my goodness, Chris is playing today. Chris Crane is, is I'm going, you know. And I started yep. that mindset years ago when I um, started doing my own records, uh -huh. you know. And one of my because of that, I was able to sell out two or three shows at arenas here at the mm -hmm. at the theaters because I stopped doing bars, okay, and started doing theaters. Great and. Um, you know, selling thirty-five, forty-dollar tickets. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I want Wonderful. to do, and, and to be able to do that locally. Yeah. I mean, ten minutes from my house. You know, I mean, that's like that's heaven. I don't <laughs> is that is that still kids. going on right now? Um, it's a little, it's a lot slower. Uh huh. You know, so this this show that I have a show um next Friday. Okay, cool. And um, then I have a live virtual thing that I'm doing with this summit. Sweet. Um, called Becoming an Ally. Ally, um, but the show next week, um, very limited seating, mm -hmm. you know, probably 50 people in the place. Right. Um, ticket price is down to 20 bucks, you right. know, um, but you have to make wow. the accommodation, you know, so, yeah. and people, you know, I think it's going to change soon as the vaccines continue to float. Um, and then people will, you know, if we can see it um, increase in, Mm -hmm. A decrease in COVID cases, right. um, then I think you know with a live music and being able to get out will take us, you know. Yeah, to I, that I, next place. I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah, me too. Man. I'm ready to get back out. Yeah, so it's yeah. so weird, like not not being actively performing all the time, where things are just so like few and far between. Yeah, I was um, my I, so I was kicking off a tour last year. Uh -huh. um, at the City Winery in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And then we had D.C., then we had New York. Um, and I was doing music from The Better Project. That's another album of mine. Uh -huh. And um, the first, the opening date was June 5th. Okay. And COVID took over and we... It's a rough date. You know, yeah, it was. It was a really rough date. Um, because I, we saw, because um, COVID really started ramping up around March. Yep. Things started to shut down, and we held, held on a little glimmer of hope. Uh, we had sold maybe 75% of the tickets already, uh -huh. and 
then New York and the Jersey and the Philly area started to shut down. The cases started to spike. And the venue called. And um, we're going to postpone the right. September 18th. And that was no better. Yep. And we just canceled all together. Yep. People yep. got refunds. So we'll see what 2021 has has, to, has in store. <laughs> yeah. And it may be 2022 uh, when yep. it really opens back up yep. for people to so. really like, get yeah. back. Yep. Because um, you know, it's also we'll the see. mental aspect. There's getting back out yeah. there. There's getting comfortable in a theater with other people again. Yeah, people are afraid. But you know what? A lot of people aren't. Because uh-huh. as we're looking at the playoffs game, football, people are at these games, man. Nice. Yeah. You know, people um, people at the, the restaurants eating and people are still uh-huh. in bars and people are still going out. Yeah. I'm, I think I think the Midwest is very different. I think uh, in California, it, it feels much, much more locked down still. Yeah. Well, you guys got locked down again. Yeah. Um, for a second time. And yeah. That's probably going, but your cases um, really spiked. Oh yeah, and you know I don't know if the news is sharing the the the, the right information, uh-huh. but what I uh, what we see over here, mm-hmm. man, that you know they're not taking more no more patients, and you know they bringing in big you know tractor trailers you know yeah, to put dead bodies and, you know, that's what we see on the news yeah so it looks real spooky yeah i don't know i mean it's not like i'm hanging out at the hospital so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah cool um so another thing i wanted to ask you about i was looking up so you have a, a project the better project awareness yeah 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 okay yeah. So, so what what is that so the Better Project Awareness Foundation is um, uh-huh. it's, it's a nonprofit organization that I started um, back in 2013, mm-hmm. and it started out of a need. Um, I was teaching in the um, public school system, uh-huh. you know, doing music, cool. and I started to see that a lot of our kids, especially in in my community, were not getting um, viable mu- music programs. Right. And um, I would get calls to come. I worked through this um, organization called Arts at Large. Uh-huh. And I would get these special project tasks to go into the schools to do music projects with the kids. But they would have, like, they would have music teachers on staff. And the kids were not getting anything. I mean, it was terrible. It was just like a paid babysitter. That's you know, the teachers couldn't music speak class? the language for music class. Uh-huh. Like I would go um, this one school, I never forget it. Mm-hmm. I went to the to do a mute special thing, uh-huh. songwriters course, and they had a, they had a newly renovated music room, uh-huh. instruments everywhere. I mean, and I walk in and the kids, she the teacher is sitting at her desk. The kids are sitting there. She had them reading books. There wasn't even music, but whatever book they wanted <laughs> to read. Is what and so you had a group of kids over here, group of kids over there, and some of these kids just hanging out. And what I'm grade walking, is this? This was like seventh, eighth grade. Wow. And so I'm like, you get so what's happening? You guys not doing? I mean, they had great That's equipment, terrible. keyboards, uh-huh. and so I put together a summer music camp. Uh-huh. Free. It was free for kids ages six to sixteen, and um, we started out with four kids. And then we had got up to the point to where 2018, um, like 60 kids per day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would do it for a week. And 
Um, so what uh, essentially what we do through the uh, music program, um, through the, um, the foundation, we use music as our platform. Uh-huh. And so every instrument that I learn to play, um, in spite of my... So I have a birth defect called uh-huh. bra- brachial plexus palsy. Uh-huh. And what that is, um, is we all have a, sec- a set of um, brachial nerves in back here. Mm-hmm. And mine got damaged at birth. So it left me with, with little to no use of my left hand and fingers, left okay. arm and hand. Uh-huh. Um, I can't do this with my left hand. I can't. Um, and But I learned to play piano, which is really. So it's a great. With, bo- know, with both hands. You got the bass lines hands, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a great triumphant, you know, For sure. overcoming story. I'm actually writing a um, play about it right now. Wonderful. Uh, I've been working on that for a few years. It's called Beautiful You, Beautiful Me, the story of my life. And I'm probably about 50, 60% through it. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I'm going to shoot it as a movie as well, you know. <clears throat> so I, there's a lot of things wow. in the process. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and so... Um, I started doing these camps, man, for mm-hmm. kids, and so we also, at from because of my birth defect as a kid, mm-hmm. I I suffered um, from anger management, low self esteem, all of those things. Right. And music was a thing that helped turn that for me. Sure. And so, um, so in these camps, not only do we teach these instruments, but we also do a, a mental health kind of a thing with the kids, uh-huh. where we cover anger management. We talk about striving and persevering. Great. We yeah. talk about self-esteem. And so I bring in professionals mm-hmm. to do these sessions with, you know, inside of our music classes. Yeah. Um, I also do this thing called demonstration period. Called, we call it Show Me That. And I bring in music professionals, um, touring musicians, people wow, who cool. do it for real uh-huh. to actually demonstrate instruments. So the kids can actually see how this thing looks. Very cool, yeah. You know, and so this is not your your typical teacher that's standing up with his button-up shirt and <laughs> pants tucked in. You know, he can look really cool. That's me most of the time, yeah. right? But you get your guy with the crazy hair and the tattoos all over his neck. Yeah. And, you know, and um, the shades, you know, musicians, we're cool. We wear our shades all the time, right? You know? It, it could be pitch black, but we have on some shades. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and they get a chance to see the kind of person that they see on TV. Right. You know, and that that brings it to life for them. Yeah. You know, and so we do those periods. And it's all about educating the kids. Um, it's, you know, um, showing them what it really looks like. Uh-huh. Introducing them to... Um, the educational side of it, but also the other side of it. Yeah. You know, and giving them the opportunity to experience it so they can make a decision. I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do that. You know, or uh, that's not for me. I yeah. I want to play soccer instead, or you know, I want to play right. with Legos or something, build something. Yeah. yeah. I I think there's 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 a really important lesson in there too, because I think a lot of a lot of people sort of my age and older, when we were talking about going into music, there's this idea that you can only go into music if you're a superstar or something. This was like a lot right. of the messaging I got from my family. And then I learned as I grew up, like, oh, you can just be like a professional musician and make a living. 
and yeah. that can be what you do. And that's a perfectly, it's a perfectly valid thing if you know how to aim at it right and you know how to start, how to start working. And I think it's, uh, it's an important message that there are creative avenues that kids can take and follow that can lead to, to perfectly sort of happy and f- fulfilling lives. Definitely, definitely, man. You know, I, you know, I, I got into music because it just it it did so many things for me as a right. kid, you know, and so it allowed me to heal. It right. gave me confidence. Uh-huh. Um, it made me feel strong, you know, mm-hmm. and you know it it allowed me to escape my reality of being different. Right. And then it, you know, it put me in a place where, you know, girls liked me, <laughs> you know, right. and that's, that's an important piece it, of, right. for uh-huh. a young, young boy who, it is. who's um, already feeling different and yep. living with something that um, other people um, uh-huh. don't understand. And then when a girl says you're cute or, you know, <laughs> she likes to hear you sing or play the yeah. piano, I mean, it's like, yo... I'm going to get better on this instrument, yeah. you know, because she likes it, you know, yeah. and, you know, and it, it, it become it helps shape your personality uh-huh. and that confidence piece is heavy, man, you know, and so I work with kids and my goal is if we can get them and catch them early mm-hmm. and give them some of these tools and missing pieces that yep. they may not get, right, um, help them feel adequate enough early, then they don't grow up and become adults that are still dealing with inadequacies, inadequate, inadequacies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We catch them early and we can help help them find that thing. Yeah. And again, they may not grow up to be a musician. Right. But if you can learn how to see the colors yep. at an early age, you can identify those colors when you're an adult. Yep. You know? I think also the the skills you learn learning how to play music are, are applicable to so many areas. Oh yeah, yeah. Learning yeah, how yeah. to practice, learning how to focus, learning how to learn. Yeah. I feel like learning music has taught me how to get good at learning everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it does. It takes one thing that um, once you learn how to do master or some mm-hmm. just control. Control this thing; it it helps you with the thing, and that's that thing is patience. Yep. Once you learn how to be patient, mm-hmm. and then you get that first victory after being yep. patient. You know, you play that song and you played it right. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I learned Spain. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was years ago. I mean, I'm 40, so I mean, uh, right. It was years ago, but when I learned Spain, and I played it correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was like, wow, because I transcribed uh, Chick's solo. Oh, wow. Cool. And so I, it took me forever, seemingly. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, I didn't get all the notes correct, but I was close enough, you know. Right. I mean, and but once you get those victories mm-hmm. of, you know, completing that, yeah. it makes everything else just something to do. Yep. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, man. It's powerful. <laughs> yeah, so I know you probably hear my wife in the background. Uh-huh. Um, the Packers are playing the NFC Championship right now. Oh, cool. 
um, with the playing the, um, the Buccaneers, and okay. she's a crazy Packers fan. Oh yeah. So she's in the kitchen. My office is right next to the kitchen. So I That's have the great. door closed. So if you hear somebody, <laughs> yeah, go baby, run, run. That's my wife, and they're making all this noise. That's great. Are you are you a Packers guy? <laughs> no, no, I'm a Chicago Bears guy. Man. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sense. So it's it's um. That's a tough household. It, it is, man. <laughs> It is. Today I went to the Apple store. Um, I bought me a new. I had to buy a new hard drive. Uh huh. And um, and so I had on my, my wife bought me this Chicago Bears fleece. Uh huh. And it's super warm, man. It's super warm. And so I That's wore good. it. And I get to the um, Apple store, and you know, of course, it's glass. You can see in there. And everybody has on Packers gear. Uh huh. And so as soon as I walk up, the security guard is looking at me side. Oh, no. Are you you watching the game today? What? What are you doing? You know, you got all the Bears. Yeah, so. That's funny. It's a tough city to be a Bears fan, man. Yeah, it is. Definitely. But yeah, man, I've really enjoyed our conversation, man. And I appreciate you um, reaching back out to me. Yeah, uh, it's been fun. Regarding, you know, me being a part of your podcast, man. Yeah, I I really appreciate you coming on, and thanks for reaching out. I, I've had a lot of fun listening to listening to your music and kind of reading about the stuff that you've been doing, and then talking today, learning a bit about yeah. you. You know, I saw an interview um, you did with Chris Chris Digpen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Chris Digpen, I don't know him, uh-huh. but I know his uh, his father. Oh, okay. Cornell Digpen, and we did some work together. Interesting. And, um, yeah, and his last one of his last shows um, in Milwaukee, he played a show with me. I did uh-huh. a, um, a um, Sam Cooke and Dunny Hathaway mm-hmm. tribute. Okay. And um, I called him up to play um, this one song with a friend of mine that was going to sing. Uh-huh. And um, it was magic, man. That's great. Yeah, Cornell. If you haven't checked out Cornell Thigpen, I don't know if Chris talked about him in an interview or not. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah, I'll check him out. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I got hooked up with Chris through a musician he works with, Alma, Alma Cook. I don't know if you know her. She's sort of a singer-songwriter. No. But yeah, I mean, it was awesome to talk to him because it's interesting the way the, the worlds um, overlap because... He and I have both worked a lot in the the pit orchestra world for like Broadway shows and stuff. Yeah, but um, I I feel like I haven't been as much on the the, the touring scene because I feel like I do like the more like experimental composition stuff, and then I was making money through uh, the the pit orchestra stuff. But yeah. I mean that that's all stopped now. But <laughs> yeah, but you know it's it's a good thing though. It it it'll all be back, and I think yeah. once it comes back. You know, because I haven't stopped working. Right. Um, I'm yeah. still doing the things that I've been doing, um, trying to do more meaningful things. Mm-hmm. Um, and once the world opens back up, then it's go time. You just hit go. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so, so what about your new release? The one, the one that you were working on. The scream out next month. Oh man. Yes. Yes, man. Again, this, 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 this song. Um, it just kind of came about. Uh-huh. You know, and. Um, it reflects how I felt in the moment, and then it started to develop, uh-huh. and then I sent it. So after I got the foundation done, I played the guitar and the bass, uh-huh. um, and I put a drum track with it, wrote the lyrics, and I sent it to a friend of mine. This guy named Roger Ryan. Okay. 
Um, he's out of Nashville. You should look him up. All right. And Roger Ryan. And um, Roger said, man, you should have these guys in particular play on your records. Mm-hmm. On this record in particular, they're going to expand it. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, I'm going to try it. And he connected me with Steve Brewster uh-huh. um, and Dave um, Dave Stevenson. And uh-huh. it just, you know, we, we conversated for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. about the record. And I said, let the song interpret the song. And they understood right. the language cool. and sent me the records back, sent me the files back, and it mm-hmm. was magic, man. Cool. And I've listened to this song, man, probably a thousand times. <laughs> I mean, outside of, you know, mixing and, and working mm-hmm. it. But, man, since I've had the mix done today, I've been back and forth on it, back uh-huh. and forth on it. And it feels great. And you mix yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I okay. do my own engineering. Um, I do my own editing. Uh-huh. Um, it just saves a ton of money. Um, yep. And, you know, I, of course, I know how to do it. I learn how to do it. So right. um, now sometimes I'll send it out to other people to mix um, so that I can stay creative and stay focused. Mm-hmm. But if I'm, you know, like this one song that I'm doing, you know, I'm, I wouldn't dare send it to somebody else to mix it when I can uh-huh. just take my time. I don't have a timeline. Yeah. I can work it for months if I mm-hmm. need be, right. you know, to get it done. And again, I wasn't even planning to, there was no plan to release a new record. Uh-huh. I just released Glow right. in September, right? Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's just keep moving. Um, yep. And I'm going to shoot, shoot my own video for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of video editing as well. That's and great. And I have a really, really cool idea. I'm actually going to shoot this one on my cell phone. Okay. And um, the iPhone 11 allows you to shoot in 4K. Oh. And so, um, but I have this crazy idea with this record. I want it to look, I don't want it to look because the song is kind of Lenny Kravitzy. It's hmm. kind of a um, retro kind of a thing. Uh-huh. So I got a cool effect on the voice and all of that. Sweet. But I want it to, I don't want it to look perfect. Mm-hmm. I want it to have a kind of a grudge, yeah. kind yep. of a glitchy kind of a vibe. <laughs> cool. And um, it's going to be two scenes the entire the entire joint, and they're going to flash back and forth, <laughs> uh, almost like a. Um, you remember what Doc Doctor Jekyll, Doctor is it Doctor Jekyll and Doctor Hyde? Yeah. Mister Hyde, yeah. Yep. You know, um, there's one cartoon where he's changing in his face. It goes from. The doctor to the monster and it's back. Blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. So that's the kind of thing that is going to be with this that's record. That's exciting. Fan. Yeah. I, I want to hear it. I want to see this. I'm going to send you a record. Um, but now it's to to make it, to pull out visually what I'm singing here. Yeah. So that's going to be a task, but it's going to be fun. Yeah. So, I, you know, that'll be forthcoming. Yeah. Man, the 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 solo the the work you do yourself versus the delegating that that's something actually I talked with uh, with Chris Thigpen about that too about yeah so I tend to take on all the work myself and do my own editing and my own video editing and everything um, uh, and sometimes it feels like oh I just I, like I need to farm this out I need to hire somebody but uh, it, it's interesting the the different dynamic between the control over your own work and editing it so that you sort of are controlling what goes out or or distributing the 
the responsibilities around of the the different pieces of the work. Yeah, well, there's some 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 of the records are um, some of the work is easy to delegate, right? Um, because it it is what it is, right? right? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing a lot of editing, right? But um, but then when it comes to some of the pieces, you know, I like to do my own. 90% of my work, I like to do my own editing right. because I hear things that may need to change yep. or that may need to be here. And if I send it to you uh, without a clear reference of what I'm hearing, uh-huh. then you just kind of give me what you're hearing. And then I run the risk of, well, that may not work for uh-huh. me. Now, I've wasted time and I've wasted money. So right. I always try to send out clear references yep. so that people can understand what I want if I'm delegating. Yeah. Or sometimes I just, you know what, I'm going to trust this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I only use people that I understand their work. Of course, yeah. It's and important. I know that they understand uh-huh. my work. Mm-hmm. You know, and then yep. sometimes I just want to give me whatever you hear. Yeah. Because there's, a, there's an art in that as well. Yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, but I, don't, I try not to take on too much. Um, mm-hmm. And I have no problem with delegating, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, but when you're using professionals, then it's easy. <laughs> It'll be good. You know, <laughs> yeah. On some some level, it may not be exactly what you was hearing, yep. but at least you know the, the output is going to be great yep. um, because they're, they're the pros, yep. you know. And you may spend a little bit of money, but because they're pros. Yeah, it'll be worth know, it. Yeah, It'll be it'll definitely be worth it. Cool. Well, do you? Um, I usually end with a, a kind of improvisation with the guest. See, okay. see how it goes. Do you? Uh, are you set up to try something out? Yeah, I think I am. I am okay. going to. Um, let's see. I put my. Um, let me see. Uh, I have my. Performance track. I said, I'm, it will make sense for me to pull out a performance track. And okay. See if it works, and then we can run it from. Well, let me let me disconnect my AirPods. Okay, from the uh-huh. speaker, and connect my phone to the speaker. That way, it all makes sense, man. Um, I'm kind of a tech tech junkie. Yeah. And so I enjoy trying out all of these things, man. I, I've really liked playing, improvising through Zoom too, because what what we hear is not what it ends up sounding like, because we each have sort of distorted versions of what the product is because of the timing. Yeah. So the, yeah. the, 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 the end product is something a little bit different than what we both heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to sing... Um, this song called um, I Get Around. Cool. So I have the speakers. I love this song, by the way, man. Great. So it says.
Awesome, man. Yeah, that's I Get Around that. off of the um, Glow album. Cool. Yeah, yeah, man. So I love that record. Um, what I'm going to do um, is I'm going to send you the um, performance track that I just used. Mm-hmm. That way you can use that in your editing awesome. as well. Yeah. That would and be awesome. that makes it feel better. That way you ain't got to, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I love I love the the Stevie Wonder reference in there and like uh, yeah 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 it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah 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 yeah. As soon as you do that, I'm like, oh, that's like this beat is totally that. It's 
It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the really things fun. that I've learned with creating commercial music also is um, how to make it feel familiar. Uh-huh. Without stealing, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and because then people, it, it connects with people. Yep. You know, so... Yeah, but I love that record, man. Yeah. Love, 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 love it. It's man. so good. It's so good. Thanks so much for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Chris, for coming on. It was it was awesome to talk to you and get get to know each other a little bit and learn about your process and the work you do and everything. Yes, 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 yes. You can also find more information about my music and the work that I do um, on my website, um, www.chriscraneonemusic.com. That's chriscraneonemusic.com. You can also find me on Instagram, chriscrane2, um, Twitter, Mr. Chris Crane, um, Facebook, of course, um, Chris Crane Music. Um, did I say Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. um, YouTube, Mr. Chris Crane? Um, and you can also find out more about my foundation at www.tbpaf. One music.com. That's T B P A F one music.com. Cool. And I'll I'll include links to all these. They'll all be below the video. And uh, yes. yep. So they'll 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 all be in there. So you can you can search all of this stuff. Check out all everything that Chris Crane has has released. He's got a ton of music out and it is all yeah. awesome. Well, great, great. Now, once I get this, I'm going to take it to YouTube, mm-hmm. post it and share it. And I've enjoyed myself again, man. I appreciate you um, again inviting me and allowing me to um, talk about me and the things that I'm doing on your platform, man. Of course. It was awesome. Cool. All well, right, man. Will you have, stay safe? Yeah, you too. Have a good one. All right. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for watching or listening. Remember to check out Chris Crane's latest album, Glow which is available wherever albums are streamed. And please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channel. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page.